Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The location is a former leper's house. The occasion is a dinner. The guests are the disciples. The honored man is Christ. The lady of importance is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, the one whom Jesus had raised from the dead. As the disciples gather themselves around the table and supped, Mary interrupts them. She comes to Christ's place, holding something in her hands. As she breaks it open, the aroma of a fine and expensive oil fills the room. She takes it, pours it over Christ's head, and begins to anoint him. Jesus sits there silently, his heart touched to its deepest core. But the disciples can't bear to watch. They are annoyed. They are in disbelief at what their eyes behold. The audacity of this woman, the stupidity of this woman. Not only does she interrupt our meal, she's wasting such expensive oil. It could be sold and used to provide for the poor. The betrayer, Judas Iscariot, burned inside, coveting the money that such oil could, uh, could place in the, the coffer under his control. That he then could steal, as St. John tells us, Judas was a thief. Yet Mary is not stayed. She is filled with sorrow and her sins have weighed her down. She's drawn to Jesus and she knew the compassion of the one who had raised her brother from the dead. She had seen the tears of Jesus at her brother's grave. And now she would do what her heart commanded of her. She drops to her knees before her Savior. And in the sight of all, she humbly lays hold of Jesus' feet and tears of sorrow and, and yet tears of hope, tears of pain and yet tears of thanks all begin to flow from her eyes. And as the tears stream from her cheeks, she wets her, his feet. And then she lays aside her glory, her own hair, and she begins to clean Jesus' feet with it. And as Mary gazed upon the floor, tears still flowing, Jesus finally breaks his silence. St. Luke tells us Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And Matthew tells us that Christ even made a, a commandment concerning this woman. He said, Surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And indeed it was, for it's a story that's included in each of the four gospel accounts. It was a story of great love. 
the scene now changes. The occasion is still a dinner. The guests are still the disciples, and the location is still a house. Yet something is different. The honored guest at Simon's house now assumes the role of Mary. The recipient of love in Bethany now shows his love in Jerusalem. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end, St. John tells us. And with supper ended, Jesus rose from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And of course, in typical fashion, Peter reacts in much the same way as Simon and the others did to Mary. Stop! Don't do this! You must be crazy! You're the master! You should let the servants wash us. But Christ rebukes him. Peter, you don't understand. If I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. And it's interesting to see how these two stories are are so similar. As Mary laid aside her glory, being her hair, and cleansed the feet of Jesus and anointed him for death, so Christ, knowing that he was from God and went to God, laid aside his glory to wash his disciples and anoint them with life. As the company sought to stop the woman from cleansing Christ, so Peter tries to stop Christ from cleansing him. As Christ says to the woman, your sins are forgiven, so he says to Peter, if I wash your feet, you are clean. As the woman's tears of both hope and sorrow poured forth that which was in her heart, so Christ spends a lengthy time that evening pouring forth his heart to his disciples. These stories really make a connection between washing and love. One is reflective of the other. It's as though the waters of washing are drawn from deep within the well of love. Christ says of Mary, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. John says of the supper in Jerusalem, Jesus, having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. And then immediately conveys the foot washing story. There's an inseparable connection between the expression of love and the washing. And when John says he loved them unto the end, he wasn't speaking about end in the sense of time, but in the sense of purpose. He was saying that Jesus loved them unto the fulfillment of the purpose for which he was sent. In other words, he loved them unto their redemption, and he did all things necessary to accomplish that. It was necessary that Christ lay aside his glory and wash his disciples that they might be redeemed. It was necessary that that the one who came from God and went to be or went to God humbled himself and was found in the fashion of a servant. Of course, we would expect that this all points to the crucifixion, the ultimate laying aside of glory. And it does. Only moments later, Christ would say to them, no greater love hath any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And the life unto which his people are anointed came through his death and resurrection, through his stooping down and raising up, through his purposeful, redemptive love, the love that he expressed through the washing of his disciples' feet. And friends, that love is expressed to us even in our baptism. That's our washing. It's our participation in the death and the resurrection in his washing. 
The water that poured forth from his side on the cross showers down upon all those who are found at the foot of his cross in baptism. In his death, we are forgiven. In his humility, we are cleansed. As David says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And to those who have been washed, he requires but one thing. That you continually abide in his love. As the Father loved me, Christ says, so also have I loved you. Abide in my love. And to abide in his love is to to live in the redemption that he has purchased for you. It is to live with the knowledge and the reality that he has died that you might live. It is to live with the knowledge and reality that he has come down to personally wash your sins away and to create a new heart in you. John records Christ's words for us at a chapter later when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And to abide in the vine is to receive your life from it. And if you think about this, this is John's account of Eucharistic theology. The Lord's Supper is the means by which Christ continually enables us to abide in him. Abide in me, says Christ. In conjunction with the words of the Last Supper, take and eat this. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you for the remission of sins. The body and blood of Christ conveyed to us in the bread broken and the wine poured is the way in which we continue to abide in his love, in the redemption that he has procured for us in his death. By eating his body broken and drinking his blood shed, we are again cleansed. Our sin is is laid aside and we're found spotless in him. His strength becomes our strength and his life becomes our inheritance. This is why we pray those very words of the prayer of humble access right before we come to communion. That we may abide in him and he in us. And this is why celebrating Christ's institution of the Lord's Supper this evening is so important to us. Because by it we abide in him and he in us. Beloved, the Lord has loved you unto the end. He's done all things for your redemption. He emptied himself to wash your feet that you might have a part with him, that you might be found righteous before God in him. He's given you his body and his blood that you might be a joint heir with him in the things of God. He has died that you might live. So those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, Come to his table this evening and hear the words that he speaks to you. As the Father loved me, so also have I loved you. Abide in my love. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stmkaty.org.